leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The advent of digital health devices and mobile health apps has the potential to improve care, change patient behavior, and permit doctors to intervene early when the health of a patient changes. But the American Medical Association wants to ensure that as these devices proliferate, doctors have a role in guiding their design and determining their worth. We spoke to James Madara, CEO of the AMA, about new principles it's adopted to promote safe and effective mHealth applications, the concerns physicians have about the use of these apps, and how he sees them reshaping healthcare. Jim, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, Danny. Happy to do so. We're going to talk about the proliferation of digital health devices, the benefits they may or may not provide, and, and new guidance from the AMA about them. Perhaps you can begin with why the AMA decided to issue guidance at this time. So it's actually related to um, other things in the field. For example, uh, the electronic health records uh, were developed, you know, more than 20 years ago, first renditions of them. And what we have learned is that although the electronic health records as they exist today in their current state, are good for claims and billing and risk mitigation. They're actually not that great for the uh, entry and extraction of clinical data in an organized way needed at the point of care. And looking back on that history, um, physicians probably should have been uh, more forceful in their participation in those early forms of electronic medical records. And we're now dealing with the sequela, uh, looking to get medical records from a 1.0 to a 2.0 state. So now, more recently, there's been an explosion of uh, mHealth apps. And we want to make sure that we are engaged and uh, help sculpt this field in the most helpful way so we don't end up in the same state we ended up with in the electronic health record. So we want to be um, uh, engaged. Now, having said that, uh, if we survey physicians, we find out that physicians are uh, very positive about health apps um, and digital health. Uh, now, although the survey shows that, it's also true that um, the subtext of that is that, that that enthusiasm for digital health exists only to the extent that the products are good. 
and that means that the products are evidence-based, you know, they're validated, they're actionable, uh, they're connected to other elements of the health record. Uh, and so those are uh, principles that probably need to be um, uh, kept in mind. And RJ uh, mentioned that you um, got to look at the recently released uh, health affairs paper on mobile health apps. That's correct. And, you know, that paper takes the 165,000 mHealth apps available to consumers and goes through a process of whittling down uh, those apps to a group of about 185 or so that are the best of the best, the cream of the crop. And then they take those 185 or so uh, through a series of filters, um, you know, whether they're usable to uh, non-physicians, whether physicians think they have utility, whether they're, uh, when they can collect information that might be of danger, if they respond appropriately, uh, if they're willing, if they're able to share information that properties, proper security uh, is applied. And what the shows is that even taking this cream of the crop, um, it's not where we want to be right now. That uh, things that caught my eye, I have to say, included that of the 121 apps of that group that allowed patients to record health-oriented information, less than 25% responded appropriately when the information was entered that indicated a health danger. Uh, so that's that's a danger to health. When when you look at this world of of M Health or digital health apps, do you see these improving the patient doctor relationship, or are they something with the potential to disrupt or circumvent the traditional role doctors have played? So they could go either way, um, and that's uh, I think that's the basis for needing some guidelines and some uh, guideposts. Uh, you know, we had. There was an there was an example of a app, for example, that was the among the top ten downloaded health apps uh, for two years running, uh, and it was to measure blood pressure. Now, blood pressure hypertension is the number one killer in the United States, so it's very important that that be uh, detected and, if detected, treated. And a group at Johns Hopkins showed that in the majority of patients with hypertension, uh, that that health app declared them to have normal blood pressure. So there it was missing the number one killer. Uh, and rather than uh, going and consulting a physician, you know, the patient, even if they felt a little odd, would think that there was no reason to do so because their blood pressure was normal. Uh, so these are the things that. Um, uh, we have to really correct uh, in the near future, and and I have to say we're, you know, the digital future is really positive for patients, positive for physicians, but it has to roll out with products that are evidence-based, reliable, validated, and actionable, and connected. 
You know, one of the things your guidance and, and related efforts seem to seek to do is assure that physicians have a seat at the table, that their input helps shape the future of digital health. You talked about the what's happened with electronic health records. Has the emergence of these applications and devices happened without adequate physician input? Yeah, I, I think in many cases uh, that has been correct. Now, occasionally there's been a physician involved. Um, sometimes that physician was a free physician, a medical student, uh, but it hasn't been a, uh, a group of you know, balanced expertise often. Outside the field of mobile apps, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, outside the field of mobile apps, there's a accelerator here in Chicago named Matter. Uh, it has healthcare startups. It has 150 healthcare startups. And the AMA has space in Matter, and we have physicians that rotate through Matter. And what the entrepreneurs love about that is they take what seems to them to be theoretically sound, and then they have a conversation that is in the reality of the space that has all the granular complexity of where this thing will be used. And it really enriches um, their design principles and their understanding of the problem to be filled. And, and it's that same kind of mind think that I'm talking about just transferring uh, to these this area of, um, of uh, health apps. There are core values that you made reference to a moment ago in the AMA's guidance. This is that devices and apps should be patient-centric, evidence-based, interoperable, and, and outcomes-focused. Why are these important, and, and should these be used by doctors in evaluating a particular application or by developers when creating them? Yeah, so I, I think those are useful because it will engage, has a higher chance of engaging the patient and use. So, for example, um, Fitbit. Uh, the history of Fitbit is largely people uh, are engaged by them, they're curious about them, and then the majority of people stop using them in six to eight months. And, and they stop using them because they don't, they get over the um, game-like quality uh, of interest, but they don't connect to anything bigger. They don't connect to an overall health plan. Uh, and so having things that so connect in a way that you can see that this is part of your overall health and well-being program um, is a powerful incentive for use. HIPAA, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, predates the advent of this new world of digital health devices, how much of a privacy concern do they raise, particularly with growing concerns about the vulnerability of these devices to hackers? What, what should doctors tell their patients about the use of the devices in, these, in this regard? Well, uh, they should tell their patients that this is an uh, important concern they should have around their security. If the app or the mobile um, device is uh, able to share and again, what this recent paper shows is that of those devices, um, you know, the cream of the crop uh, apps, rather, of those cream of the crop apps that had the ability to share, 60% uh, of those did not have adequate security. 
And, and do these devices create any kind of potential liability for physicians? Well, if um, to the degree that a physician would recommend something uh, to a patient, it's unclear what the responsibility would be then and the risk would be associated with that. So frankly, I think that's another reason why one would want to clean up the field and have um, apps that uh, you know were evidence-based, validated, and the like, uh, that one could be a little more secure about. You, you talked about the concern the AMA has that the use of these applications are evidence-based. What level of testing do you think is necessary to establish this? And should these be treated like medical devices? Should there be some clinical trials pathway for them? Yeah, so uh, the guidance there is, um, is, is yet to be clarified. So the FDA guidance is if you have an app that either connects to or substitutes for a medical device, uh, you have to have pre-market authorization. You have to have it treated like a device. That's a very small minority of the apps that are out there. Uh, the other apps, uh, the FDA has the power to remove from the market uh, if they deem them ineffective, but it's going to be a test to um, think about 165,000 apps uh, in this light. So this is uh, what we actually would like to do and um, have in mind and are working toward is getting a group of stakeholders together that would include uh, uh, industry uh, to see if we could come up with a set of guide rails, guidelines, principles that would be broadly agreed on. Um, and those stakeholders should be widely representing uh, the field, not only manufacturers, but patients. Uh, that's uh, you know, important to have. What do you think physicians should be most concerned about? Is it cost or accuracy, utility, or, or other concerns? I think utility, uh, accuracy, um, that they're, they're, they have something that's reliable uh, that the, both the patient and the physician can rely upon data that they're getting. I, you know, I gave you a couple of examples, one around blood pressure, where that was just clearly not the case. And, and uh, this uh, paper in uh, Health Affairs that recently came out shows that, you know, a large number of these even uh, very best apps, uh, patients have problems with usability and clinicians have problems with their clinical meaningfulness. The AMA is actually involved in a, a number of initiatives and partnerships to advance digital health innovation. You, you mentioned the work with the Chicago Healthcare Technology Incubator Matter. There's Idea Labs, the, the SMART Project, Health 2047, and, and a project you're involved with, with Omada Health and Intermountain Healthcare. What role do you see digital health playing in medicine going forward? And, and do you see this reshaping healthcare in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think it's going to play a powerful role. Um, so, you know, taking the example of uh, pre-diabetes and a pre-diabetes program that happens to be uh, largely dig digital, uh, that has been demonstrated to prevent uh, many cases of the conversion of pre-diabetes into authentic diabetes. And 
outcome studies have been done. So it's a really richly evidence-based uh, field. And this is an area of, you know, prevention is an area that we do not well in currently uh, and is so important. In the area of prediabetes alone, uh, 84 million adult Americans are prediabetic. 90% don't know it. And the percent that do know it, in large part until recently, didn't know what to do about it. James Madeira, CEO of the AMA. James, thanks so much for your time today. Happy, happy to, Danny. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.